Hello there, Dr. Alan Hedberg here with the Psychology Report. You know, over the years, a number of surveys have been conducted, which have generally asked the general question of what the American people want more. What are some of the things they value? What are some of the things that are very important on their list? What does their bucket list include? And what's uh, necessary to make life meaningful and happy and, and satisfying? Without doubt, one of the top choices always comes out, good health. Good health. And it's not uncommon for people to say, well, I have all these problems and so on, but I do have my health. I'm getting older, but I do have my health. Health is one of those things that we value very highly in our culture and our society, and naturally so. That's why we place so much emphasis upon the health insurance issue that's being bantered about today. We want health, and we want it cheaply. We don't want to pay for it. We don't want to earn it. We wish that it would just kind of come to us. And for some people, it kind of does. The genetic history and genetic background and lifestyle of parenting and their upbringing was favorable towards good health. And for other people, genetic background, lifestyle of upbringing was not very favorable for good health. Well, a survey was done not too long ago in which a number of physicians were asked to comment on advice that they would give the American people, and they broke it into three different categories. One was advice regarding daily living habits, one was advice regarding eating habits, and one was in regards to lifestyle choices. Let's take a look at what some of these uh, findings came out to be from these physicians. In regards to uh, daily living, here are some of the top things they said. Make sure you exercise every day 30 minutes. Now, that could be a walk. It could be getting a bicycle. It could be getting, uh, you could be swimming. You could be uh, doing some aerobics. I mean, there's a number of ways in which a person can accumulate 30 minutes of exercise. And uh, if you don't do it every day, you know, do it at minimum of four days a week. And uh, you'll be better for it. But make sure you get some type of ongoing exercise that will carry you for about a 30-minute period of time where you increase your heart rate, you increase your stamina and your tolerance and your endurance. And a good walk for 30 minutes is very good to do. We have a neighbor nearby that every day, she walks up and down our streets. I see her, and I often stop and talk to her. She walks about 45 minutes a day, and she puts on quite a few miles. She's been doing this for years and uh, has reaped the benefits of that. So I recommend that as well. Number two, make sure you get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. Well, that's sometimes not possible, uh, but six hours is kind of considered to be minimal. And then seven to eight hours is kind of the best array of hours for sleep that one can do. Now, it also is wise, along that same line, is to take an hour nap during the day, if you can, a power nap. One hour, not two, not three. That's kind of depression sleeping. But if you can, laying down for a half hour, 30 minutes to an hour uh, during the day, Midday would be a very good thing to do, especially if you 
maintain a fairly active schedule in the evening. You have homework to do, you have chores to do, you have assignments to complete, you know, whatever it might be. But um, seven, eight hours of sleep a day, minimum is six, and a power nap if you can. And the older you get, the more that power nap during the midday becomes helpful. It's a brain resting period of time. It's not a matter of laziness, not a matter of just resting your body, but it's a way of resting your brain so your brain can function well at a higher level of capacity on into the evening. Number three, spend time each day with a friend. Somebody you love, somebody you care for, somebody that you appreciate, somebody that enters into your life and contributes to it and enhances and enriches your life. Now, hopefully, that's your spouse. But it could be another kind of a good friend. Somebody has, if you don't have a spouse, obviously, uh, a good friend would be the right kind of person. But make sure that every day you spend a little time with a friend because that's time for enjoyment. That's time for reflection. That's time for uh, interaction and consideration and mental stimulation besides just social grace and social encouragement and social support, emotional support, if you will. And then number four, reduce your consumption of junk food, cookies and chips, you know, anything that would be considered uh, a junk food, high in calorie, high in carbohydrates, high in sugar, low in protein, you know, and so on. But uh, junk food, we all know what junk food is. It's stuff that tastes good. Get rid of it. Get it out of your house. You know, get it out of your car. Don't go down those aisles in the grocery store. Stay away from those aisles. Go down other aisles. Or if you have to go down those aisles, go fast. Get out of there real quick. So reduce your junk food. And then the fifth one was cut back on your carbohydrates. Cut back. Okay, that means cut back on your bread. Cut back on pasta. Cut back on white rice. Those are your carbohydrates. Those are the ones that are high in carbohydrates. There are a lot of other ones too. But if you cut back on those, you're not only well healthier, but you'll, get, you'll lose some weight. But any of those refined carbohydrates, cut back on them. Just cut the bread out of your life. Or minimally utilize bread. And then number six, I would add this. Be assertive every day. Be assertive, speak up, express yourself, get it off your chest, get what you want, tell people what you think, respond to situations, add your two cents to the dialogue, enter into the conversation, enjoy the interaction with other people, but express yourself. Don't sit there quietly and listen. Do listen, but do talk, and do open up, and do share. People need to hear what you think. And you need the interaction with people, so be assertive. And then number seven, spend some time during the day relaxing. You might be two or three or four times a day where just for a minute, you just sit back and you just let your body relax, you let your mind relax, you let your muscles relax. Just let your muscles go like the rubber bands and you just let them go and they return to their natural position, which is a state of relaxation. Relaxation is important. Relaxation of your Muscle system is very important because during the day you get tense and because of the stress and all the things that are going on in your life. And then pain can set in if you have chronic tension, whether it be headache or forward ache, forehead ache, or whether it be chest ache or arm ache or stomach ache, you know, whatever it might be, where you put tension on your muscles, there will be increased levels of pain and ache. 
Okay, so that's enough for daily living. Some of the recommendations for daily living. What about eating habits? Well, here are some of the eating habits that would be good to eliminate and uh, good to kind of minimize in your own daily diet. Soda drinking. Don't drink soda at meals. There are people who do it at every meal or most meals or for a snack. Soda drinking should be a treat every once in a while, but not as a regular intake liquid or fluid. You know, it's interesting to know that the people on food stamps, and there are a large number of millions of people on food stamps, their number one use of food stamps, you know what it's for? Soda drinks, soft drinks, soda. The number one drink or the number one food item that they buy with their food stamps. And it's one of the worst things you can do relative to your own health, and long-term health, if you will. So cut out soda, drinking soda, certainly not at meals and not for snacks. If you do, make sure it's a treat. Number two, limit your time in fast food restaurants. You know, that should also be a treat. You know, at the maximum, once every week or every couple weeks. But don't make food from these kind of food chains, fast food chains, a regular habit. That's not the place to get your meals. That's the calorie high content and cholesterol high content and so on. Don't put your stock in fast food restaurants and eat from them every day or several times a week. Make it a treat and then enjoy it without guilt. Okay, next, eat vegetables, two or more vegetables per meal, not two or less vegetable per meal. That's your eating habits. Make sure you get your vegetables in daily. Some people eat three vegetables a day, but make it at least two. And if you're only having one vegetable a day, you're jipping yourself, and that's not good for your long-term health. Not good for your brain. Vegetables are brain food. And you need that kind of thing to get that brain functioning strongly. And then be careful along the same line. Don't binge on pizza, hot wings, nachos, and what we sometimes refer to as the social foods, the finger foods. Get away from that stuff. Again, if you're going to have it, make sure that's a treat. It's better to have nuts. They're good for you as a treat if you need something. Walnuts and almonds and things like that. Far better than pizza and hot bings and nachos and uh, pretzels and all that kind of uh, prepared food. Get that out of your life. Similar to ice cream. Get that out of your life too. Cake and donuts. The sweets that we eat every day and would like to eat every day. Wish we could eat every day. Get that out of your life. Again, going to have it? Make it a treat. Once a week, once every other week, a small amount. Enjoy it. Don't feel guilty. But don't have it as a regular eating plan or eating object for your food and for your daily intake. And along the same line, I would just add one other point. Don't eat fast. Stop the fast eating. It's not just the fast foods, but the fast eating. You know, there are people who sit down at a table. 
gulp their food down, and within a matter of a minute or two or three, they're done. Well, the person sitting at the table across from them or along with them has just barely started. And will come it will take maybe ten minutes or fifteen minutes to eat. Fast eating is associated with obesity. Because you're taking in your food and the brain cannot convey the message yet that you have reached the state of satiety. I mean, you're satisfied. You've had enough. So what you do when you eat fast, you eat more. Then you eat more. Then you eat more until you reach this state of satiety, which is about 15 to 20 minutes of eating. Then you come out with your body feeling satisfied and your uh, food experience being a good one. So eating should spread over about a 15-minute period of time. And if you're eating fast... Slow it down. Chew more chews per minute, if you will. Smaller bites will help you. Food that you can savor and enjoy so that it spreads out over time. And people who are thin or who are normal in their weight tend to eat slowly. People who are obese tend to eat rapidly. Watch your own eating, okay? One person said... It's important to eat about a th- uh, to have about a thousand bites per meal. No, no, pardon me, a thousand bites per day. A thousand bites per day. So divide your food and have a thousand bites, and then spread it out and enjoy it. You'll lose weight. Rapid eating, gain weight. Slow eating, you tend to lose weight. Now the last thing is what we call lifestyle choices. Okay, these are the tough ones, but these are the important ones also. Very important. Cigarette smoking, stop it, cut it out, get it out of your life, say goodbye to it, end it, terminate that kind of behavior in your life. And that includes marijuana and other kinds of addictive behavior patterns. Cut it out, stop it. Not good for your heart, not good for your lungs, not good for your brain, not good for your liver, not good for your pancreas. Not good for your stomach. I mean, on and on and on one can go. That kind of behavior, that kind of lifestyle behavior is harmful. In the particular, in the long-term health way. So stop it. Also, be careful. Engage in exercise, as I've said. But don't get into that pattern of no exercise per day or per week. Stay away from that. Get active. Be an active person. You don't do it through exercise, do it through walking. If you can't do it through walking, do it through just activity during the course of the day. Park your car far away from where you're going and walk to where you're going and force yourself to walk. Here's another one, number three. Feeling perpetually lonely and socially isolated. Stop that. Get people in your life. Bring people around you. Go where people are. Join in activities. Go to concerts. Go to dinners. Go to fundraisers, go to events, be where people are. Stop your loneliness. Don't be socially isolated. That's not good. That's not a good, healthy lifestyle choice. Okay? And then, number four. Don't ignore health problems or health problem symptoms. You know, that's the thing about men. Why do men die before women? Which is true. Research is very clear on that. Why do, die, why do men die before women? Because they ignore symptoms. 
They don't go to doctors. They're ashamed to go to doctors. It's a pride kind of a thing. And it's also a masculine kind of thing that I can handle it myself or I can take care of it myself. So don't ignore health problems. If there's a symptom that's there, play with it for a little while. Keep an eye on it for a little while. But if it persists, consult. Okay? And now, be careful on your pain-taking medication. Number five, your pain-taking medication. Be very careful with that. This is the big addiction of the day. People who are taking opiates, various kinds of painkillers, and we are a nation of wimps. We don't like pain. We can't tolerate pain. The minute a pain develops or a little discomfort develops, we start taking pain medication. A bad habit, if you will. Pain medication is not to be utilized, and if you do use it, only for a very brief and short period of time. There are a lot of other ways to moderate pain and to control pain. Muscle relaxation is one of them. Hypnosis is another. You know, getting some muscular activity and stretching and developing your core of your body is another, and so on. There are lots of ways to address the issue of pain in your life. You don't need painkillers, and you don't need marijuana because you have a little pain. That just means you're using that pain to get a drug that you want to take. That's addiction. That's the basis of addiction. When you say, I have pain, therefore I need to take painkillers, and I need to take more and more and more, or I have a little bit of pain, and therefore I have to smoke marijuana, you are using that pain, and you'll never get rid of it, because you have to have that pain to justify the addiction. You have to have that pain to justify the addictive substance that you're choosing, marijuana, alcohol, painkillers, or whatever. Be careful on that one. Very, very important. And then lastly, stop being angry. Stop being worried and stressed. Now, change that in terms of getting your life to be much more happy or being feelings of satisfaction and being satisfied with what you're doing and where you are at the time. You don't need to have a life of anger. You don't need to carry that burden of anger with you all the time. That will wear you out and it will stress you, and that will start weighing on your heart. That will start weighing on your brain. That will start weighing on many of the organs of the body, and they'll begin to break down. And the ultimate breakdown is cancer. The ultimate breakdown is death. The ultimate breakdown is serious, long-term chronic illness of some type, whether it's related to your heart, related to your stomach, related to your liver, you know, related to your lungs, or you know, whatever. Certainly your muscular system in terms of being tense and, and, and uptight uh, from prolonged chronic anger. So if you got those kind of, kind of consult, consult your doctor. Go to your physician. If he's helpful or if she's helpful to you, good, follow the advice. If not, find another one. Consult your psychologist. Your psychologist can help you in almost all of these areas to deal with so that your lifestyle can be healthy again. Consult a nutritionist. Consult a dietitian, if you will. I mean, consult people. Ask. Talk. Get answers. Go out where the problem resides and, and find a person that can help you think it through and come up with a solution and come up with an approach so that that kind of a problem can be resolved and put aside and put away. And you can go on living 
in a healthy manner. As I said, the issue is health. We like to be healthy. We like it to become our way rather than for us to earn it and to develop it and to acquire it through exercise and through activity. But that's how health is acquired. Very little of it just comes naturally by birth. It's how you live. So I've given you some suggestions now. Live accordingly. Okay, one more time before I uh, end today. The Pompeii disease. The Pompeii disease is rare and debilitating genetic disease. It affects both adults and children. And um, the onset is usually when a child is young. But uh, the, the severity varies from person to person. And, uh, but it's a progressive muscle weakening. Uh, particularly the muscles that support the heart and support the lungs. So that when, that when those organs function, they don't have the muscular support, they weaken. And a person then has difficulty breathing and functioning and living. And they often live only for brief periods of time. In particularly infants with having cardiac problems. So, very expensive disorder, disorder, disease. It's very costly. There are very few physicians that know how to treat this disorder. There are very few places in America where there is a center where you can really go and get the necessary help. So some of these families have to travel. They have to travel a distance, or they have to get their medications on mail and various kinds of ways, and it's costly. So the United Pompeii Foundation was formed to raise money to be available to these families that are short in their cash and their ability to uh, support the financial needs of the care for their particular child in their home. So I would recommend that you take a look at their website. It's www.unitedpompeii.com. www.unitedpompeii.com. Pompeii is spelled P-O-M-P-E. P-O-M-P-E, unitedpompeii.com. Look up the website. Learn about this disorder and this disease. There are some kids in your community, very few, but they're there, and they need your help. They need your support and your empathy and your concern, and you can help. Here's how you can help. Look up that foundation, and then send them a couple bucks. They'll appreciate it. They'll use it well, and they'll make sure that the kids that have the Pompeii disease will get the necessary care that they require to keep them alive and keep them functioning. So go to that website. I recommend it to you. Hey, nice to talk to you. And um, the best, and we'll see you again. Bye for now.